Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, the Scoliosis Experience Podcast, where my aim is to empower individuals with scoliosis and movement professionals alike by providing free, up-to-date information on scoliosis management and treatment. My goal is to improve the quality of life for those with scoliosis and equip movement professionals with the knowledge and skills needed to effectively support them. Hi, welcome back to Ahead of the Curve. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Teed. It's great to have you back. Today, I am going to be talking about heading back to school with scoliosis. And there's a lot of things to kind of keep in mind as you are returning back to school. Um, Likely, you are a parent of a child who has scoliosis if you're listening to this. Um, I will be very, very impressed if you are a student who's listening to this and um, looking for some advice heading back to school. So today I'm going to talk about how to choose the perfect backpack. I'm going to talk about building confidence to talk to peers about your condition And I'm also going to talk about some factors to keep in mind as far as phys ed, physical education, or classroom modifications that might need to be met, um, made for your child in the classroom, bracing and um, early detection and exercise accommodations as well. So, um... I'd like to start off by giving you a couple of things to keep in mind as far as how heavy is okay to have a child's backpack for school. And I know that you've seen those poor kiddos heading to school, they're in elementary school and their backpack is looks like it's heavier and bigger than them. Um, We don't want a situation like that for somebody that has scoliosis. We want to make sure you're using the scale. So grab your home scale and use that as a gauge. You don't want the backpack to be any more than 10 to 15% of your child's weight. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, that's about the max that you would wanna go. There's a couple of ways to keep that weight really low, Um, making sure that you are purchasing a backpack that is fairly small so that your child isn't tempted to stuff more things in the backpack in an effort to um, carry more things. (laughs) So um, the other thing that you want to make sure when you're choosing a backpack is Um, making sure that the straps are nice and wide and cushioned. If you get a backpack that has really narrow, skinny straps that tends to dig into your child's shoulders, that can create some numbness and tingling down the arms and just be extremely uncomfortable for your kiddo. it, you know, that digging in with the weight of the backpack can be just really frustrating um, and irritating. And then if your child has more of an upper 
curve. So a curve that involves the neck that can be really problematic eventually. Um, and another thing to think about when you're choosing a backpack, I feel like I'm saying backpack a lot. <laughs> it sounds funny when you keep saying it over and over again, um, is having possibly a strap that goes around the waist. So that provides a little bit extra support. It distributes the weight a little bit better so that it feels better on your kiddo's spine. A um, couple other things to keep in mind. Um, how are you loading the backpack? So same idea as body mechanics for any human being. You want to keep the weight as close to the body as possible. So when you're loading the bag, I'm going to stop saying backpack. When you're loading the bag, you want to make sure the heavier items are closer into the body and the lighter items are further away. If you're loading the bag opposite of that, that pulls the weight further away from the base of support and it creates more strain and stress on the spine. And then finally, making sure that your child is only carrying the essentials that they need for their classes. So they're not carrying, you know, a bunch of books back and forth that they don't need for their homework at night. Um, just carrying the very bare minimum um, so that uh, they're not carrying an unnecessary load around. The, the next thing is building confidence with your child. So potentially having some back and forth conversation with them, having them practice conversations that they might have with their peers about their scoliosis. It can turn into a really uncomfortable situation for your child if they kind of start off on the foot that they're just going to hide their scoliosis from their peers, especially if it's more of a significant curve, especially if your child is having to wear a brace. And um, I think that it's best to be upfront about what's going on and approach it with confidence. It's going to feel awkward for them, um, especially, you know, depending on their age, it can be more challenging if they've gone the whole way through their adolescence, more or less, and now they're in high school and they're having to broach this conversation. It might be a bit harder than for somebody who um, is a younger child. Um, the you know, other thing that you can possibly do is have conversations, get involved uh, with community groups. There's a lot of scoliosis support groups on Facebook that um, can be helpful to hear other parents' stories or other children's stories and share those with your child to help build their confidence up. Um, even looking at uh, all of the athletes and Olympic athletes who have scoliosis and who are thriving, 
that can be so encouraging for your child to see that and to understand that they are still capable of anything that they would want to do athletically, um, career-wise. Scoliosis is not a hindrance. Um, It's actually something that makes you a lot stronger in the long run when you're able to um, kind of when you're able to persevere and move beyond your physical, you know, what are seen as limitations, it makes you a stronger person overall. Um, and the next thing I want to talk about is physical education and classroom modifications that would potentially need to be made for your child. So having an open line of communication with your children's um, teachers, phys ed teachers, classroom teachers, letting them know that there's certain modifications that your child might need for class. And one of those is actually being able to sit in possibly the back of the class or towards the edge of the class where they're able to intermittently stand up throughout the day so that they're not having to sit in a static position all day long. If you suffer with pain from your scoliosis and are looking for ways to reduce your symptoms, look no further. I have a free video that covers 10 simple exercises to help target scoliosis pain, improve balance, and strengthen muscles that you can do from the comfort of your own home. Watch it on your phone, tablet, or smart TV and start treating your scoliosis today. Grab your free video from the link in the show notes for this episode. It's sitting is one of the most uncomfortable things for scoliosis. It's one of the worst things for scoliosis, especially if I remember correctly, those classroom chairs are very, very uncomfortable and painful and they're hard. There's no cushion to them usually. So, um, I don't know how much of a modification you might be able to make as far as the type of seat that they're sitting in, but it could be something worth looking into and adjusting for them as well. Um, Encouraging your child to bring props with them to class. I know that this might be, you might get some pushback on this. So carrying um, wedges to school and using those when they're sitting in class can be really helpful to improve their comfort level throughout the day instead of having their curve pressing against the hard back of their chair all day long. Um, They can have the wedge helping to provide some cushion and also to help derotate throughout the day and help to balance the weight of their spine more evenly. Um, And then Understanding your child's curve. So um, hopefully if you're listening to this, you've gotten your child into a scoliosis-specific exercise program, um, whether that's Schroth or Pilates for scoliosis, something of the sort. Um, 
understanding their their curve type and their restrictions is very important. So coordinating with their physical therapist, getting them to list out some things that might show up in a gym class that could aggravate um, your child's curve. Um, that would be a really helpful conversation to have with a therapist, have them write it down, and then communicate with their gym teacher, with your child's gym teacher, on what you learn. Um, because, you know, the last thing you want is for, you know, just gym class to be irritating and counteracting all of the hard work that they're putting in um, with their scoliosis-specific exercise routine. And um, final, or not finally, <laughs> the other thing is something to think about heading back to school. If you're a parent who has scoliosis and you suspect that your child has scoliosis, or even if you're a parent who doesn't have scoliosis and you suspect your child has scoliosis, you can't rely upon the school system to do the, the screenings because there are still about, I wanna say 24 states that don't participate in the school screenings for scoliosis. So it's going to be up to you and your uh, primary care physician, your child's uh, physician to confirm or deny whether or not that they have scoliosis. So you have to be the advocate and, you know, it can't hurt for them to check it during their physical, their yearly physical, just to see and just to make sure that that um, isn't the case, that they haven't. Because as I've talked about uh, several weeks ago, early detection is the key to having really successful treatments, really successful um, reversals in the curve progression or cessation, so stopping the curve progression. Um, we want to break that vicious cycle of the uneven loading of the spine and um, get them the best access to treatment as possible, as early as possible. Um, and then the other thing is um, thinking about the brace. If your child is uh, someone who needs to be braced and is currently being braced, having a conversation with their doctor before they head back to school and you know just making sure the timing of them wearing the brace. Um, so there are a couple of doctors that I've encountered who have made accommodations or have made recommendations that the patient wears their brace only outside of school hours in order to improve compliance of wearing the brace and um, possibly reduce the risk of you know some social anxiety things that come along with having to wear a brace in school. You know it's you know enough stress having <laughs> to go through adolescence and middle school and bullies uh, baseline without a brace. It can make it a lot more complicated um, adding that layer on. So having a discussion with your doctor and seeing if maybe that's a possibility 
um, it can make a big difference in the long run because I have talked to countless adults who were supposed to be wearing a brace during their adolescence and they were non-compliant and then they look back now and they are wishing that they had been compliant with wearing their brace and they express frustration over that and maybe if it were a situation where they were able to wear their brace during non-school hours they would have had a little bit more success with that and then I know I said finally there is one more point I want to talk about and that is helping out your child with their exercise accountability they're trying to find a way to make it fun it is extremely um, I would say maybe not extremely it's pretty unrealistic to completely rely upon your your child to be disciplined enough to do their exercises on a regular basis but that is key to them having the most improvement the most success possible uh, with reversing their curve and if you can find a way to make it fun and enjoyable um, they're more likely to stick with that routine also if you're able to help them find a rhythm where okay you're you're going to do your scolio exercises for 10 minutes before school or you're going to have um, just hop on the pull-up bar and do at least your pull-up bar elongations before you head to school or have them do their routine at night and that's you know they do their homework and then their physical homework sorry their school homework and then they do their scolio homework after that uh, before bed just finding a rhythm and a routine that is something that you will all stick with that can be really, really helpful and a game changer because this is the time where your child is establishing habits and disciplines that are going to carry over for the rest of their life. Because while there is a lot of hope and help for scoliosis, and their scoliosis isn't going to disappear, you know, aside from a miracle. Um, so this is something that is going to help them thrive into adulthood if they can find a way to enjoy their scolio exercises now and continue them for the remainder of their life. Um, that is going to completely change their life. It's going to change their um, ability to function without pain so um, a little bit of discomfort and you know not so fun things in the short term can make a big difference in the long term so in conclusion um, it's just very important as a parent to take an active role in preparing your child to return to school with scoliosis so um, make sure that you're seeking a medical professional for advice on guidelines for exercises that might 
your child should stay away from in phys ed class or even in some of the sports trainings. Um, and also making sure that you are there just to listen to them. Um, you know, it can be pretty challenging carrying that load and having an open, open ears and allowing them to express how they're feeling about everything. Um, that can make a big difference overall as well. So you're a good parent, hang in there. Um, and until next time, stay ahead of the curve. Thank you.